Hey, everybody. Are you with me when I say life can be amazing at times, but it can also be extremely challenging? I know. I've been there myself. Learned some valuable life lessons along the way, and now I'm here to help you. It's no coincidence you found your way to the Relevate podcast. I'm your host, Rena Olson, a self-proclaimed inspirer of others. Together, we're going to dive deep into raw and honest conversations with real people. My hope is that through these stories, you too will be inspired and ready to tackle whatever's holding you back or breaking your heart. Then you'll be free to live a life of purpose and true fulfillment. I promise it's possible. Let's Relevate. Hey friends, welcome to this episode of the Relevate Podcast. I am so glad you've joined me, along with my guest, leadership coach and Sherpa, Dan Fry of Giant Worldwide. In this episode, we go deep and wide. It's a jam-packed leadership coaching session of epic proportions. Dan has some seriously great advice for us all as we continue to navigate our way through COVID-19. Dan Fry, welcome to the Relevate Podcast. Rena, thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be here. I know. I'm sorry we're not sitting at Starbucks having a cup of coffee and a face-to-face conversation, but I know. Work. I got to see I got to see you a lot more often in the old days. So it's good uh, to hear your voice. I know. Same here. <laughs> so first question for you. What yeah. is the one word that you would like to share for encouraging people during this time of sheltering in place and COVID-19 and why? What's your one word? Uh, for my personality, one word is hard, but um, you know, if I had to land on, on one, I'd probably say reflect. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty going on right now, and fear is rarely healthy. Yes. Um, you know, there's rarely, rarely appropriate times to be fearful. Mm-hmm. You know, we just live in a society now where we're usually going to be safe anyway. And so if you look at our lives, what we've lived through, I'm sure everybody out there that would be listening has already persevered through some scary time in their life. That's right. And they came out of it and they're, they're better from it. Yes. So maybe this is an opportunity to actually, actually reflect on those times because most of the people that I coach are thankful for some of their most trying times because without those, they wouldn't be who they are and they wouldn't be as strong as they are. Mm -hmm. And maybe as a country, that'll be what happens. We, we learn some things that uh, will make us better as a country and a, uh, and a culture that wouldn't have happened without this. So I certainly want to appreciate people that had things going great before all this. And all of a sudden it came to a screeching halt but you know, all the skills that you had before things got difficult are still there. And yes. your heart was there before things got difficult. And those are the things that people valued in us before things got difficult. Mm-hmm. They'll still be there when we get past this, and we will. So maybe we should all just kind of reflect on what we have and what made us who we are, because this will be short-lived and we'll get back to it. And all those opportunities will be waiting. Oh, Dan, that's so good. So your one word is reflect. And yeah. in, in listening to you, when when you're going through that valley, which is what we're in now, it's it's like mm-hmm. a valley, you don't have perspective, right? You have to you have to get through it and then look back on the other side before you can really see what the learning was during that time. Most definitely. I mean, skills break down under pressure. And so whatever we had, our skill might have been relational, our skill might have been objective, 
and we maybe have had been hitting it on all cylinders before this happened and we maybe never thought we would actually be stuck in our homes for weeks but we're all under pressure now so actually knowing what is it doing to us you know whatever our our gifts were before we were shoved into this situation knowing okay what is happening and is what's happening really real um is are my skills still there sure they are but we're just not going to be as effective as we are when we're not under pressure so understanding what pressure is for each of us as individuals is really important um, because it's the only way to kind of stay healthy. Right. And I feel like, so I've been hunkered down in my house, I guess we're going on week two now. <laughs> and it it's kind of like tornado warning waiting for the tornado to hit. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's beautiful outside and, and everything kind of seems the same, you know, but there, there definitely is a foreboding that hopefully will keep us in place and the storm will pass and it won't cause too much devastation because we have been inside our house. But, um, you know, it's just one of those times where we have to be obedient in taking the direction of a whole lot of smart people who really know what they're doing and really staying inside and being okay with that. Most definitely. I mean, the the people that I've been on coaching calls with over the last two weeks, some that are struggling the most are the most that had the most control in their respective world. Isn't that interesting? Um, Some that are the healthiest right now are the ones that were the go with the flow people in their respective world. So those that are very, those that used to be very effective at getting things done, having Mm. priorities, having a list, knocking things off the list and got celebrated for that. They're freaking out right now because they're out of control. Sure. Those of us that um, are, you know, a little bit more go with the flow type people yep. seem to be, well, you know, it just is what it is. I'll make the best of it and it's going to go away. Right. But many of us need a situation like this to actually help us realize what we were. <laughs> uh, that's deep. So usually right those that I've been coaching to perform better in the work world, they're really healthy right now. <laughs> Those that I coached in the work world that were performing really well, they're not really healthy right now. <laughs> so it's it's an odd flip that's going on. That is but really it's fascinating to watch. <laughs> okay, Dan. Well, I know yeah. a little bit about you. If you can if you can share with my listeners just a little bit about your background. Sure, sure. So I guess um some may want to know, native Atlantans, you know, grew up in Georgia, grew up in Dunwoody. Um, had fun at University of Georgia and then finally decided I better do with something with my life and graduated from Georgia State. I had to get out of Athens, but (laughs) my heart is still in Athens, uh, so go dogs. And go go Panthers. And go Panthers, yeah. Do they have a team? I didn't even realize. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Hey, they actually played my University of Wyoming in a bowl this year, football game. This is true. How cool is that? And they beat those uh, Tennessee Volunteers too, so I was I was happy that they did that. But uh, <laughs> so then, um, let's see, corporate background of about 15 years um, between Xerox and Boise Cascade. My roles were typically sales and sales leadership. So many great salespeople cut their teeth selling copiers. Was that you? That was me. Yeah, in the early, early, early 90s, Xerox was really recognized as 
the best sales training out there. They would fly us all to uh, this compound in Leesburg, Virginia. It was over a thousand acres. You would go back this on this road that would be way out in a field and deer everywhere. And there'd be these buildings that was our training facilities where they would teach us everything from understanding the equipment to actually uh, working on our skills. And uh, we'd be there for weeks at a time. It was, you know, it was, it was either Xerox people or the military that were there. So I got a lot of my training done there. Um, That's cool. Loved it. Some of my fondest memories mm. um, of my career from Xerox. Um, then I was uh, with Boise Cascade for five years and also in sales and sales leadership positions. But in uh, 07, decided I wanted to run my own life and run my own business. So I started starting companies. And I started a printing company in uh, 07 called Greenlight Communications, which mm -hmm. is still in existence. It's a Norcross digital printing company. Um, we specialize in print on demand. So that, that, that's been a big deal over time where I would, I would allow large companies to print exactly what they need so that they would never have waste if uh, any of their information ever changed. It's like a big Mongo Kinko's in a warehouse district in Norcross, and it was all business to business. And it's still going. I got a great business partner that runs it, started a marketing company in around 2011 timeframe that was going to complement print mm -hmm. uh, with a brilliant young guy that uh, it's a long story. Um, that is no longer in existence. It got folded into my printing business. Um, but because of that second business, it was called Craze. I met Jeremy Kubitschek, who is, uh, you know, the founder of Giant. He's yeah. a friend of mine. And um, never knew that my the future of my world would be in consulting and specifically consulting around leadership. Yeah. But my friendship with Jeremy gave me the opportunity to help him and our other co-founder, Steve Cockrum, get uh, this business called Giant Worldwide off the ground in 2013. And it started out as something that allowed me to live my passion, where I was still doing the printing to pay my bills. And uh, it quickly flip-flopped. Giant is 99.5% of my time now. And the printing business just kind of kind of runs itself. So, um, yeah, wow. each and every day I'm kind of out there helping leaders, teams, and organizations be the healthiest version of themselves, uh, whatever that looks like in their respective culture. I'm usually working in areas like um, always communication. That's always like a, a baseline, which is part of self-awareness. Sure. But then I help people build effective working relationships. You know, you can be you can be effective at performing, but you'll be far more effective if you're good at building healthy working relationships that work alongside you. Um, building aligned teams, managing capacity, executing at a high level. Those are all areas that I help uh, organizations with mm. every day. So, very, yeah. very cool. So you're a partner there at Giant Worldwide. Yep. So rather than a leadership teacher, you and your peers call yourself Sherpas. Help us yep. understand exactly what that means and why you chose that term. Yeah, so we kind of realized um, Jeremy was the CEO of our sister company, which is no longer in existence, called Giant Impact. And he was uh, running two major brands. They had a leader cast. Many of your leaders have probably attended. Oh, yeah. And the Catalyst Conferences. Uh, yeah. Um, Jeremy was kind of running those events. Um, our, our sister business, Giant Impact, owned those events. We're no longer affiliated. Mm -hmm. But kind of through that experience, we realized that a lot of times the way leadership is, is um, taught is just that. It's taught. 
You know, there's a lot of guys like me that help people understand leadership. Mm -hmm. But there was very few areas out there that actually help people do it. You know, there's a lot of aware leaders that are just poor at execution. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if leadership was golf, there's a lot of leaders out there that just play rounds of golf and never go to the driving range. And we wanted to kind of create a driving range for leaders that actually help them do leadership, not help them learn leadership. So leadership's usually a podcast like this, or reading a book, or taking a class, which makes us aware. It gives us an intelligence. Yeah. But intelligence doesn't necessarily turn into execution. That's just intelligence. So we 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 try to actually be out there helping people figure out how to lead themselves, than actually teaching people leadership. And so Sherpa is just an analogy or metaphor to do that because if any of your listeners. None of us have. Uh, we haven't summited Everest, but we've done a lot of studies, Jeremy has, on, on what it takes to actually summit Mount Everest. And if you do any reading or study on that, you know, people that have done that could have never made it without their Sherpa. But the Sherpa never gets the glory. The Sherpa is, is a people group that are born at a certain altitude level and are acclimated to actually summit. So many Sherpas have summited multiple times, but they don't get the glory. They're the ones that actually make sure you don't die (laughs) and actually tell you how far you can go. So we try to be a guide to our clients and help them lead themselves. We're not going to tell them what to do. We want them to figure it out for themselves. And um, that's where the Sherpa metaphor comes from. But what has to happen If you're going to be an effective leader, you have to be healthy for who you are. Mm -hmm. And Rena, only you know the definition of what it looks like for Rena to be healthy. And that means, you know, at peace with her performance, but also at peace with her relationships. What does that look like for you? Only you know. And if you're not healthy, you're never going to build a healthy team. So if you're like on a, we said one out of 10, where is Rena? If she's a six, she's not going to lead a team past a six. That's right. So we try to help leaders kind of realize, where are you? What do you think you need? What do you need to be effective? And how can we help you? Because if you're healthy, you'll lead a healthy team. But if a leader is not healthy, there's no way they're going to lead healthy teams or healthy organizations. That's so true. So I've heard heard you say the world is full of well-informed leaders that aren't worth following. And... The world is also full of intentional leaders that aren't effective. Mm-hmm. Do leaders often miss this in themselves, even though it's probably painfully obvious to those they should be leading? Rena, I think you just revealed the secret of leadership in the way you asked that question. And my answer is absolutely. Um, I think to some degree, 100% of us are always oblivious. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, well-informed leaders that aren't worth following, you know, have you ever worked for somebody that was highly intelligent, highly competent, but you were glad when they were on vacation? Yeah. So, you know, what was undermining their influence? Well, it was probably the ability to actually demonstrate a level of people skill mm-hmm. or care. You know, we know they're competent, but do they really care? Right. And if they don't really care, what am I to them? Am I just a pawn on their chessboard? Exactly. You know? So who, what am I really working for? You know, 
So if we're working with somebody that's got our back, those are the people that we want to work for. Mm -hmm. And if they're competent and got our back, that's a leader worth following. Now, the other half, usually about 50-50 in the population, there's a lot of nice people out there that think they're great leaders because they're so nice. But they're always very conflict avoidant. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're very passive aggressive. Yes. And a lot of times they think they're doing the right thing by not having, you know, the buzzword right now in the, in the leadership world is crucial conversation, but not being direct with somebody, not actually setting somebody down and saying, you're really going to be successful here. We're going to have to address these issues because they're worried about relational harmony. Mm-hmm. And in many times, they'll look in the mirror and justify themselves as a good leader. But quite frankly, they're not. They're a selfish leader because they're always preserving their own relational harmony. It's about them. It's not about the other individual. Yeah. So it's kind of both ends. You know? If you've got a big heart, but you're afraid, it's going to undermine you. Mm-hmm. If you've got a lot of intelligence and you've got no heart, yeah. it's going to undermine you. Exactly. So, When we all look in the mirror, it's like, well, what does our reflection look like? If we really want to be a leader worth following, what does that mean? Probably the biggest signal that you need leader development is thinking you don't. Truth bomb. (laughs) Gotten some people squirming right there, Dan. (laughs) Well, I guess I've crashed and burned enough to really realize that I might as well accept it and work on it and then try to not admit it and hope it doesn't exist. Because just like you said in the question. Everybody else sees it anyway. Right. If you've worked for an arrogant leader, you see the arrogance. Yes. But if, if you pulled them aside and said, do you think people think you're arrogant? What you think, you know, what would they say? Uh, no. And we've all worked you're for an insecure fired. leader. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So You're fired. Exactly. Wow. So in your role as a Sherpa, you know, having one-on-one interaction with leaders like this, many who do have giant egos, how do you begin to pierce through that and to help them see exactly how they are in other people's eyes? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How it, do you do that? It, it's a slippery slope because if they have a huge ego, okay, if it's a CEO-type personality, real A-type, then you have to earn the right to to be that voice of influence first. Yes. So we like, we have a principle that we teach called the influence model, mm-hmm. where there we say there's four C's to building a trusting relationship. It's character, chemistry, competency, and credibility. Now, half the population is going to want to see your character first. And what I mean by character is they want to be able to actually know you and trust you at a deeper level. The other half of the population really wants to see your your skills and your abilities. Mm-hmm. And that's typically your, your senior level C-suite type leaders. We call them pioneers in the giant language. Yeah. Now, they're not going to say, hey, I don't worry if you're ethical or not. But they're not going to spend a lot of time trying to get to know you. Mm-hmm. They want just enough to say, okay, you're here. Now prove yourself. So to be able to have influence with a voice like that, it's really knowing how I would undermine myself with a voice like that. Because my preference would be to hang out with somebody like Lena Olson all the time. <laughs> but what if I have a very arrogant person on the other side of me that quite frankly, you know, if I weigh them through my values, I, I might just not even like them. Yeah. 
do I want to fight for them? Well, okay, I do. How, what does that look like? So in the short term, relationship goes on the shelf. It is purely going to be about my credibility and about my skills. If I don't get those two boxes checked in the mind of that leader, we're never going to get anywhere. So how I talk, my tone, my tact is usually a language that I'm not really used to speaking. I've been so direct with some leaders before. If I look at through my filters, I'm thinking the way I'm speaking to this person, this person, I am about to be so fired. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, I've just earned their trust. Yeah. And it's it's like a mind bake. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very direct and very to the point with them. And once you become a trusted voice in their life, you then can say, all right, so you really want my opinion now. Right. You trust me? You're going to hold it against me or you're not? Okay, here it goes. Yeah. You know, every, nobody ever questions whether or not you know what you're doing. But most of the people that work for you question your heart. And so they don't want to work for you. They have to work for you. So this attrition problem you have, this turnover problem you have, have you ever thought that might be one of the root causes? Mm. You ever thought about that? And then what impact is that having on your bottom line? So that was a lot of words to answer your question. I guess if I try to answer it in a more pragmatic way, you've got to know the voice that's on the other side of you. You have to be effective at speaking a language that they value. If they don't hear you in the language that they value, you're never going to win influence with that individual. Mm. That makes sense? It, it, it does, but it just is so complicated. It's very complicated. It's so complicated. So good thing we have and people so, like you to coach <laughs> us through it, to Sherpa us through it, because it's... Well, I, uh, I don't know. Most you know, of us don't all, know how to navigate these waters effectively. It's, 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 and, and, and I think the main thing that has to help you do it is you've got to be humble. You've got to be actually aware of where you will be effective and where you're not, where you won't. And then you have to admit it. Exactly. So, you know, clear communication a lot of times is, is difficult for me. But I've kind of grown comfortable with uh, the idea that I'd rather not try to fake it until I make it. I'd rather own what a challenge is for me and let you or your listeners hear it and then ask them to help draw out if I'm not being clear than try to fake something that I'm really realizing is one of my leadership blind spots. Hmm. So if I'm dealing with a type A personality, I can't be afraid to say, look, if you're not hearing me, ask me questions. Because I can see where you're missing the mark. And if I'm not coming across to you in a way that you hear it, draw me out. Because if you don't and you patronize me, you're going to miss what I'm trying to say. And it's, we're going to both undermine each other. Yeah. Because you got to be confident enough to speak that way. Right. And it's, it, in the end, it's a waste of everybody's time if somebody's not really willing to play ball. Right. So I... I don't think Giant is a, it's not a faith-based company, but I think the servant leadership model is very much in play with how you guys teach and coach. Is that, is that safe in saying that? Yes. Um, We would say that a lot of what we teach is faith-based. We just try to pull the Christianese 
out of it so it's available to all. Yes. So those those that are faith-based would believe that if it's true, it's true everywhere, and everybody should be open to truth. But a lot of times, faith language gets in the way of people actually. And a lot of times, if you want to lead people to faith, it's better to lead them through action than word. Right. So, so we kind of tried to pull out anything that would actually make us look like we have an agenda, because we really don't. Right. We want. We are trying to make a dent in the world by using business as a platform. Hmm. Well, and the model that Jesus set through his example as a servant leader, it's, it's upside down. It's, for me, humble, give me a humble leader anytime, and I think they will be most effective. I mean, out of all the character traits, for me personally, if you ask me, I, I think when somebody is humble, they have everybody's best interest at heart, and they are gonna, they're just operating, you know, using a different playbook. I mean, to me, that's wow. my, that's my word. The, I, I couldn't agree more with your word. Humble is not insecure and it's not underconfident. Humble is actually uh, realizing that it's not about me. Mm-hmm. So it's somebody that's actually secure and confident enough to realize it's not about me. It's always about the other person, especially if I'm leading. And that means if I have to have a challenging conversation, that makes that individual uncomfortable because I'm really fighting for their highest possible good. I'm going to do it in humility because I'm not going to worry about the relational dynamic because I'm not insecure. If it, if it creates a challenging situation, I'm still going to move forward in humility and peace in the spirit of trying to help that person be the best version of who they are inside a company or outside a company. Yes. Yes. Love that so much. So I think this whole COVID-19 situation presents an exceptional opportunity for leadership in a number of ways. If you can talk us through some of these opportunities, Dan. Yeah, so so I'm a voice that has got, it's a very visionary voice. So when I'm asked a question like that, it gives me tons of ideas, <laughs> and which then increases the chance that I don't speak clearly. So if okay. I try to be kind of linear, um, I'll bring you back. Dealing with, yeah, bring me back. Challenge me, Rena. You know me. So yeah. there are three real principles that I think we got to be effective at. And COVID is going to put pressure on that. So remember, skills break down when we're under pressure. Right. So number one, we have to be self-aware. So Steve Cockrum, our co-founder, once said, you know, you never graduate from the school of self-awareness. <laughs> and I replied back to him and said, well, most people never enroll. <laughs> so. Good. If, if we're not self-aware, then we really don't know what COVID is doing to us in this moment. So if we're freaking out, why? Like, we got to know, and we got to know how to be healthy in a challenging situation. And that's got to come from a level of self-awareness. But if you haven't been reflective, remember my mm-hmm. first word, yeah. you don't consistently reflect, and it's probably going to be a lot, you probably got a lot of work to do to get yourself healthy during this uncertain time because that hasn't been your typical pattern. Mm-hmm. So why are we freaking out right now would be important and really name, is it true or is it untrue Right. for, for, your, for ourselves? Communication would be the second one. Mm-hmm. So some of us are not very effective communicators when we're face-to-face. It even gets harder when we can't see somebody on the other side of us. And now we're all being forced to work remotely. Yes. So what is, do, what is that doing to my influence? Is it going up, going down, or staying flat? And thinking it through, again, reflect. 
So how self-aware am I in terms of what are my tendencies during doing during this crazy time? Okay, if I now also have to communicate with people and be an effective employee or leader, what is my communication doing with my team and my peers right now? How healthy is it? And then the third thing, so self-awareness communication and effective working relationships. If leaders are good at all three, and again, I don't want listeners to think leadership is some sort of org chart thing. Yes. It's not. All you need is a heartbeat and a friend to be a leader. It's true. So leadership is influence. Yes. So right now, there's a lot of things that could make our influence and minimize our influence. Mm -hmm. And that can come out in in behaviors of negativity or fear. Or it can come out in behaviors of peace and clarity. So the way to have effective working relationships is to stay engaged and know what does it take to be clear, objective, but also healthy with the people that I have to work with. So that requires self-awareness and clear communication to have effective working relationships. Those three things, if people master them, and they usually require each other, you're not going to be an effective communicator if you're not self-aware. Mm-hmm. And if you're, and you're not going to build effective working relationships if you can't communicate. So when we're under this COVID crisis, our skills in those areas are going to break down. And we got to know what is breaking down to be able to work on it or police it. It's, it's hard for me to relate because I've, I've worked in my basement in my house for, for a long time. So I'm, I'm used to kind of the, the discipline have the cadence of what that requires. And for me, usually when there's a change, there's always an opportunity, right? So I think, I think we're undergoing a seismic shift or change right now. We don't know where the dust is going to settle and how it's going to look, but I think there's going to be opportunity there. And this is a time we need to be using our time wisely right? We don't need to be sitting on the sofa streaming Netflix 22 hours a day, right? So what are ways people can, you know, what are those opportunities that people can be taking to, to improve themselves? Or I don't know, I mean, I just think it's an opportunity. And I'm having a hard time helping, helping articulate what, what exactly is it? You know, it's not just everybody stay in their house and do nothing, you know, you should be doing something. What is the something we need to be doing? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, and that is spot on. I mean, I don't think many people would disagree with you. Nobody's going to disagree that people shouldn't be sitting on their couch watching Netflix. And I think as leaders, the people, you know, they're probably worried about that. Is that what, is that what my people are doing? You know, and there's probably some truth to that. So this is what I would say to you, Rena, if you were leading a team and I'm coaching you right now and you said, Dan, I'm worried about my people being at home, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I would say, why is that the case? Because you probably missed the mark before this crisis. So why, why, mm-hmm. why don't you have people that are fully engaged into what they are doing and who they are so that during mm-hmm. this crisis, they go. know how to be the best version of themselves when they're working remote. Right. See, I'm cryptic because it's, 
I've worked with enough people to know that, you know, when you, their leadership a lot of time is spoken kind of, you got to always be working. You got to better yourself, you know, and use situations in your life to better yourself. Like who's going to disagree with that? Right. But on the flip side, knowing how to better myself is also knowing why I am where I am to begin with. And if you're leading a team right now that is now at home and you're worried about what they're doing, my challenge to you is why are you worried? Because what were you doing prior to this crisis mm-hmm. to make sure that they would be healthy if this ever happened? Sure. Now, the reality is nobody planned for this, but it's something to think about. Yeah. If I put it on me, right, I'm usually very present in people's world. I do most of my stuff face-to-face. So if I'm at home, I'm doing a Zoom video conference, or I'm out in the world actually coaching somebody face-to-face. I'm looking at ways of building out technologically-based solutions right now in this moment when I have a little bit more capacity to do that, so that when I enter this time in the future, if I ever do again, I can be actually more effective and more efficient in leading myself through something else like this if it ever happens again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm an introvert, right? So I like to think things through. And when you're doing, when you're answering questions, you're having to respond quickly. Right. Which increases the chance that I don't give you that level of clarity that I want. Ah, but <laughs> what I'm trying to say, Rena, is every individual has tendencies that they need to be aware of day in, day out. Yes. Those tendencies exist. Tendencies existed before COVID-19 existed. Mm-hmm. So if your tendency before COVID-19, like you said, was to be very regimented about life, I'd say to you, okay, now that you can't live that, that structure, how do you build the new structure? Right. Given this situation. So if you think, if anybody thinks it's time to just, not work, I would then challenge them and say, are you really happy with that? Hmm. Do you, are you at peace with just doing nothing? <laughs> or how do you use the situation that's been given to you to be the most effective teammate, the most effective peer, and the most effective leader? Right. Ask me some more questions right. so we can get more clarity in that. Well, and, okay, I'm going to pivot a little bit because... We have been, as a society, a collective society, it's all about go, go, go. It's about pace, bigger, faster, smarter, stronger. And, you know, we're all having to just take a breath. And maybe a little bit of rest is necessary at this point in time. You know, that is not, that is not a bad thing to, to be able to rest and regenerate and collect yourself and figure out, okay, is this really the path that I want to be on? Life is not, you know, it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And I believe every day is precious. And if you are somewhere that is not filling up your cup and bringing you joy, maybe this is an opportunity for you to reassess and find a, a new path to take. I think you're right there. You know, if you and I were just having one of our coffees, I'd be saying things like, you know, Rena, I would hope that this situation has created a chance for families that are probably not having enough dinners together to be doing that mm-hmm. for people that are running the hamster wheel every day yeah. to finally say, wow, like why, if, if one, when I go back 
is that really the way I should be living? You know, balance is cliche. We all say we should have balance, but do we really live a balanced life? Like, what does that look like? Is this opportunity, this COVID opportunity, give us the chance? And remember, my very first word was reflect. Right. Give us the capacity to actually look in the mirror and say, what is the healthiest version of me look like? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think we get going in our routines. So I love to go to the gym. I love to take yoga. I like group fitness. Well, I can't do it right now. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want to go do an online class, but I took an online class this week and guess what? It was not bad. So I'm like, you know, there you go. Sometimes you just have to be open to, to making some subtle shifts and maybe you'll find something you like even better in the process. I mean, I think we just need to be more open to trying stuff like that. Most definitely. Nothing grows. Think of this, you know, think about an athlete. An athlete becomes more effective by actually going through pain and challenge. You know, they put their body through pain and work out, and then they grow and they get bigger, faster, stronger, Mm -hmm. right? So they grow because of discomfort. But we, as a society, do everything we can to not be uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, that's so true. So some of us will run the hamster wheel of life because our identity is based on our sales numbers or our W-2. Right. What we do. But some of, exactly. And we're trying to prove something because we want validation from the external world. Others are all about relationship. And we want to make sure that everybody in our lives are happy and like us and we like them. Mm-hmm. So if a situation like this puts any of that under pressure, the odds are it's going to create, you know, struggle, create, nothing gets better from easy. Easy is stagnant. Yes. So if, if things get difficult, the odds are we're on the precipice of growth. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to just, you know, the reason why I said reflect at the beginning of the call is this may be that opportunity to say, what were we doing before this happened that actually cause our health as an individual, our peace as an individual to go down or stay flat. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to do somewhat of a small little reset, what might we be able to start doing that causes our level of peace to go up and get better? That's awesome. Quick question for you. Is the Mm -hmm. ability to lead something you are born with or can anyone become a leader? I think anybody can become a leader, but becoming a leader is actually being self-aware enough to know what you need to work on. Mm-hmm. So I think everybody is born with a gift. The Lord gives us gifts. We were born with a divine stamp. Right. So mm-hmm. if it was the gift of building relationships, caring for people, that is a gift. But many times those people I coach are, you know, their opportunities learning what it takes to actually be direct and be aggressive. But many people like that will a lot of times feel if they're being aggressive or being direct, they're starting to feel like they're being arrogant and they're, and they're being um, too forceful. It goes against their values. You know, mm-hmm. Others are very good at performing, but not very good at leading people. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's like understanding where are we missing the mark? And I usually use influence as a measuring tool. So if you're very good at delivering a number, you're a great performer, but how are you at leading people? Right. And if you're very good at making people 
like you, how strong are you at performing? If we think leadership is a little bit of balance of both, it's really all about knowing where you miss the mark and being confident enough to accept it and work at it. That's so good. And I think so many people, when they think of leadership, they attach it to the business world. And for me, I don't think that's so. I mean, there's there's opportunities to lead within your family or you lead your dog effect, effectively or you volunteer and lead in that sphere. I mean, there's just so many different opportunities to lead, to lead well. We met at No Longer Bound when you were, mm-hmm. when you were helping mentor and coach some of these men coming out of recovery. And I'm, I'm, I know that a lot of them had never thought of themselves as leaders until you walked through the door and challenged them that, yes, you are all leaders. Most definitely. Most definitely. I, I mean, I'm starting to not even like the word leader or leadership because it's got so many definitions and it's so saturated. Yes. Um, it, you know, it, it's hard to really, it drives more cryptic conversations. Um, <laughs> I, I think leadership is influence. Yep. And when you look at those guys that no longer bound, quite frankly, many of those guys are more effective than some of the C-suite people that I work with. And what I mean by that is because of what they've overcome. Right. They're real. They've gone through the pit yeah. and they've come out. Yes. And it's not about them and they realize that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you guys have already taken the best leadership class in the world. There's actually a silver lining yes. around your addiction. Yeah. Now you just got to figure out where in this world you can go give your gifts others and what it looks like. Mm. That is so powerful. And I know for me, one of the biggest things I walked away from there with was the ability to be more transparent. And I, I don't like conflict, but I, I'm a whole lot more vocal at just standing up and calling people out if they're being ugly or whatever, because that's the only way we have to be able to be real with each other. Most definitely. And Rena, you've always been great at that. I mean, I've, I've worked with you. And what I know about you is you're, you're very present-minded, focused, disciplined, uh, huge-hearted individual that is very strong at execution. I mean, amazing leadership qualities. Oh, thanks, um, Off-the-chart leadership qualities. But if you ever had an area to develop, it would probably be exactly what you just said. I've learned to be direct, to be challenging, to be objective, and and sometimes have to be impersonal, mm-hmm. which is actually what the person on the other side needs. Right. Because it goes against it, my heart. I'm a peace, love, and harmony person to my core. But life is not all about that. You have to be able to navigate those rough waters effectively. So I'm working definitely. on that. And, and you see the way, and the way you would ever be judged for your leadership is through the lens of the person that you're leading right. or the team that you're leading. So I always like to say, and it, it dot lines back to Covey, um, you know, we judge others based on their behaviors. We judge ourselves based on our intent. Oh, so if, if, <laughs> if, if you, yeah. if you are, you know, we know your heart, right? 
So if you were like an oblivious leader, like I was talking about earlier, it doesn't mean that you're not a great leader with a big heart. It means you don't realize that what you are doing by not calling that person out is actually preserving your own comfort zone, which is actually selfish. That's about you. (laughs) So if if you don't actually look that individual in the eye, and call them out because they need to be called out because you're fighting for their highest possible good. Mm-hmm. You're actually being selfish. Right. But and that's some what a lot people, of people just don't realize. So, so many people do not get that. They are not exactly. used. They are not used to that level of directness. They can't handle most, it. Most, most definitely. But then you know, there's a, some others that say, "Look, I have to tell them you're too direct." Yeah. You know, there's actually a place for people to have relationship in the workplace. It's not all about the numbers. Exactly. You will actually get better numbers if you create a healthier work environment, Mm -hmm. which is usually the more difficult thing for me to make people realize. Right. Yeah. So it's a balance. You have to be present with people, but also productive. And usually... We're predisposed to be stronger in only one area, being present with people or productive. Mm-hmm. Being highly effective at both usually means we have to look in the mirror and say, where might we be missing the mark? And the other thing is, most of us, you think a polarity scale. On one side is insecurity. On the other side is arrogance. Mm-hmm. After population, the needle is going to tip toward arrogance. Really? The other half of the population, the needle's going to tip toward insecure. Mm-hmm. So all of us kind of got to look in the mirror and say, where would our needle, you know, we're good. We're both. But if we really aren't aware of our tendencies, especially inside a challenging situation like COVID, what's happening? Is this situation pressing us more toward our insecurity? Or is it pressing us more to be even more arrogant, more dominating, more results-focused. That's answers for individual. Every individual has to figure that out for themselves. Yeah. And then name the behaviors that are causing it and then work on getting past it. Right, right. So good, Dan Fry. So, <laughs> I, well, you got to tell me if it's cryptic. Yeah, I, I certainly well, I will. doesn't hurt you know my feelings. Doesn't hurt my feelings. <laughs> so, I get I gave you my word that I thought was most important for a leader. But what do you think is the most important quality a leader needs to possess? Well, now I can't use your word, which would have been my word too. Would uh-uh. have been humility. I swear, Scott okay. Connor. Well, you can you can unpack that because you'll unpack it a whole lot more than I ever would. Well. You know, secure, confident, and humble is what we say inside Giant. That is really how we define humility. So, you know, if I if I was expanding on humility, you're secure enough in who you are, which means you're really aware of what you're not. You are grateful for what you are, and you are accepting for what you're not. Mm-hmm. And you don't try to dance around it. And you don't try to make sure people don't see it because guess what? They can see it anyway. <laughs> you, you, you live into it, right? Yeah. Which is part of being confident. Because we are very effective as individuals and leaders. Most leaders, just like right now under COVID, 
fear is a much more effective driver in human behavior than confidence. Say that again. Fear is far more like fear is the greatest driver to behavior than really any human emotion, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It undermines everything else. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're insecure, it's usually because you're scared of something. Yeah. If you're arrogant, it's usually because you're trying to prove something because you are afraid people will see your insecurity. So fear is usually the root cause and fear is the opposite of humility. So, because humble is actually knowing, wait a minute, there's nothing to be afraid of because it's not about me. If I'm trying to prove something to Rena or Rena's listeners, because I want them to perceive me a certain way, that is about me. That's not about her listeners. So if I say, hey, Rena, I'm afraid if I don't communicate clearly, please tell me. If I'm afraid to say that in front of all your listeners, and if I'm afraid to admit that sometimes if I have to answer questions quickly, I may be cryptic. Well, then I'm going to try to be proving something that's just not real. And they're going to see it anyway. Am I making sense? It's a little cryptic. (laughs) (laughs) I got you. No, so I'm I'm hanging on the word. I'm hanging on that word fear because I just looked this up because God is very clear to us for those who follow Jesus, that we are not to fear. In fact, I read that it's written in the Bible. Fear not is written in the Bible 365 times. And then I read it was actually like double that number. So kind of going back to when you have, when you have faith in your life, that just grounds you in a way that frees you and allows you to truly be authentically you. So this is what I'll mean by fear then. If you're afraid, or if you're not afraid, you have nothing to hide, nothing to prove, and you're not afraid of losing anything. You're just real. Now, if you, which is real. Yeah. So if you reverse those questions and put it in the business world, at any given time, ask a business leader, what are you really trying to hide? Why are you running that hamster wheel all the time? Yeah. Why are you identifying with a W-2 is what your identity is? What are you trying to prove? Mm-hmm. Who are you trying to prove it to? And what are you afraid of losing? So you ask those three questions to people during COVID right now, you're probably going to dig up deeper roots than what their answers were. Right. Like I might be freaking out right now because I might be afraid of losing my job. Okay, so you lose your job. Then what happens? Well, I, I can't feed my family. Okay, can't feed your family. Then what happens? You know, then mm-hmm. is, is are we actually going to end up completely under a bridge somewhere? Probably not. Eventually, you'll kind of probably get to an answer that is not as bad as you really think it is. Mm -hmm. The worst case scenarios are never as bad as we think they are. Mm -hmm. But if it's not a COVID situation, like what's more real life in the workday every day, what am I trying to hide? Well, trying to hide that, you know, my leader intimidates me. Oh, really? Okay. So what is that doing? Well, I'm trying to prove myself to that leader. Well, what do you really want to do? I want to ask them for help because they haven't given me enough information to do my do- job well. But if I, I'm afraid that if I ask for help, they hold it against me. Right. So I'm afraid of losing my credibility. I'm afraid of losing my perception that they made a good hire. Well, what's that going to get you if you try to get through by not admitting your fear and just being confident with what you bring to the table and what you're dealing with? 
you may fake it till you make it, or you may fake it right out of a job. So I have a feeling that's kind of the conversations, the one-on-one conversations you have when coaching somebody. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Kind of helping so them I, peel I, 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 back those layers to, to, to figure out, okay, at your core, what is it that you're really most afraid of? And most a lot of times when you, when you land on it, it's like, okay, well, I can, I can deal with that. And then you back it back out and work on a plan. I'll, I'll give you a real life example from this morning. Working with a gentleman that got great advice from up here that said, okay, when you're presenting to the leadership team, mm-hmm. you got to control your emotion. You got to be pra- more pragmatic and clear. And you can't, you can't be so animated. So that was great information, right? right. Somebody had told him that. I'm like, told him, we'll just say his name is Steve. Steve, that's great advice that your peer gave you. I would say the exact same thing. And so why is it that you're emotional? They've, that's what they're seeing. Why is it that you would get more animated? What is it? And so we talked about that. You know, he's kind of a voice that has, you know, a, he's a very visionary voice. So when he sees something, he tries to prove it in a way that they hear it and see it. Sometimes, you know, why are you trying to do that? And what it really ended up drilling down to was, okay, now you know, how are you going to execute? We started talking about basic things that he was doing that he started to realize was was hurting himself. And one, he was drinking tons of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> he he would be like, you know something, Dan? I I uh, is jacked up on caffeine. I, I, he said, I, I I intentionally when I go into leadership meetings, I drink a lot of coffee. I'm like, why do you do that? And so I can actually hang with leaders that are far more engaging. I'm like, so what do you think that does? Does that actually let you be your version of you or is that actually amplifying the things that are people that people are telling you not to do? They're making you more animated. They're making you more emotional, but you're actually using a drug to try to give you the energy to be able to hang with them. So maybe what you need to really be thinking about is why am I really trying to hang with them? What am I trying to prove to them? Why don't I just rest in who I am, what I bring to the table and be confident in that? And maybe that's where the clarity will come from. Mm, that is good. And he, and he got it and he received it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and that's where it's, it's hard. You know, I've had so many coaching situations where people can have awareness and poor execution. And sometimes recognizing how do I execute more effectively is really realizing what you're doing to not execute effectively. Mm-hmm. So he could be, you could tell somebody, Control your emotions. Great. Well, now I know. But how do I do that? That's the awareness of controlling my emotions. But, okay, what do I have to do to be able to do that? Well, maybe realizing why I'm getting emotional in the first place, what's the root cause of my emotions, might be the the answer to controlling my emotions. Well, what is it that makes you emotional? Well, in that situation, it was I really don't want to fail in front of these leaders. Well, why are you worried about failing? Well, because, you know, they're asking me to do this. And if I don't prove to them that I can, maybe they will look at me a different way. Well, what, do you, what is it that you're trying to prove that I'm the right guy for the job? Well, why do they want you for the job? Why are they asking you to do the thing that you need to present in the first place? Well, because it's part of my job responsibilities and I'm supposed to change the way things are. Well, are you qualified to do that? Absolutely. Why are you qualified? 
they think I'm the guy to thinking the things up. Well, then you just gave it your answer. So go do that. And don't worry about how it comes out. Be you and allow people to challenge you, but be confident in who you are. Don't try to be something you're not to get a result that you hope for. Right. Because you're going to crash and burn when you're pretending to be somebody that you're not every yeah. time. I mean, that's, you can't sustain that. So we talked about the most important quality a leader needs to possess, and we're both in agreement about that. So in your opinion, what is the worst quality? We kind of already talked about it, and there's two. I couldn't tell you one. Okay, you can have both. But I think it's, it's insecurity or arrogance, either one, and I think they're both a byproduct of fear. Yes. So if you're insecure as a leader, you don't believe in yourself, and our creator wants us to believe in yourself that's actually saying that you're not happy with the way you were made mm. and 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 that's wrong <laughs> yeah you know so maybe you haven't done enough work on celebrating what you bring to the table and that's causing your insecurity mm. now your arrogance is just the opposite always thinking that you have to be in control it's thinking that somehow hierarchically you are above others that's that's even you know that's just as bad many would say arrogance would be the number one answer but those that believe less in themselves i think are just as bad as those that think too highly of themselves right insecurity to me is such a funny thing because it can mask itself in any number of ways and behaviors you know, a lot of times you're right. You know, I mean, arrogance a lot of times is a byproduct of insecurity. Right. But I think really. Which is weird to me because the two are, I mean, it just doesn't seem like the two would fit together. But in my experience, I know they, they really do fit together. Yeah. And I think the root of both of them are fear. Yeah. Now, not fear in terms of what COVID is doing to us, but fear of. Failure. But, you know, you, the, the, you go from fear of failure usually dot lines to somebody else's perception of me. Mm. So it's in other words, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, I'm looking outward. I'm not looking inward and that's driving my behavior. So deep. Where again, you, you know, if, if, if Jesus, he said, I have to go away so I can live inside you through the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. Jesus said he was going to leave us so he could be part of us. Had he stayed, his his mission would not have succeeded. He had to go away to succeed what he hoped for for us. So he lives inside every one of us. So if we're insecure, that is not that is us being in control, not relinquishing control. If we're arrogant, that is us being in control, not relinquishing control. That is not a trusting relationship with how and who made us. And it's not living into who we are. It's trying to be something that is manufactured by the external world, not the internal world. And I think that's where fear comes from. So if we're afraid of how people perceive us, that comes out as arrogance. It's still rooted in fear. Absolutely. That's so good, Dan. If we're afraid by how people perceive us, without in insecurity, it's still rooted in fear. My listeners are getting such a great coaching call. I thank you for <laughs> if I'm being for donating your time to my listeners. I'll tell you this: this is probably one of the 
the worst I've ever been at being clear, honestly. Oh, Sabrina. stop it. Hey, I would rather them know that again. Like, again, <laughs> we have to be transparent. You, 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 Dan, pass, you're always you know, awesome. Yeah. But I think so highly of you that I get, I, I get a little more fired up when I'm hanging with you than others. And <laughs> then my cryptic nature comes out even more and more and more and more and more. And some of these questions hit me in such a heartfelt way that when I have to answer them quickly, you know, if any of your listeners out there are like, what the heck was he talking about? You give him my, my, my number and say, feel free to call his cell phone and he will talk to you as long as it takes for you to get it. So. <laughs> oh no, it's all such good stuff. So if you can share some tips you have for leading through uncertain times such as this, any tips, Dan? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I got one for you. Go ahead. Be present for your people and be out there. Yeah, that's a good tip. Again, I, I, be comforting. I mean, I, I, be a comforter uh-huh. in chief. Your your job, if if you're leading anything right now, be yep. a comforter in chief. Whether it's your you family, you know, let's we uh, let's just soothe each other and encourage each other and let people know it's. This too shall pass. It will. And if if we have ever all been in something together, it is now. So let's just so, be kind to each other. I will agree with you on that. But if I challenge you on that, Rena, those are things that like, those should be obvious. We should be kind. We should be comforting. We should be clear. But we also have to accept the fact why, that that might not be the case with what's going on with us right now. The call started with reflect. You got to know yourself to be able to lead yourself. You got to know the situation that you're inheriting to be able to own how you'll lead yourself through it. None of us ask for this, right. but how we lead through it is going to be the difference maker. And knowing why we're feeling what we're feeling has got to be the first step. So if you can't just be that naturally comforting voice because you are freaking out on the inside, you're going to have to deal with your freak out. You're going to have to put your oxygen mask on before you try to make somebody else comfortable. Otherwise, the byproduct of your execution, people are going to be, they're going to see that you're freaking out. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's funny. I'll go full circle. The very first thing you said was, what's the one word? I think people need to be reflecting right now. And if you're freaking out, why? Mm-hmm. What tendencies has this stressful situation caused to come out of you? Because they were there before the stressful situation came out. So you got to own your tendencies because they're going to create behavioral patterns that create actions that come out of you that other people are going to experience. So it's it's almost like a principle that we should be doing all the time, not because of COVID. What is it like to be on the other side of it mm-hmm. in any given situation? If we're okay right now in COVID and we're healthy, then then it's easy to be that voice of calm and it's going to be okay. But if if we're not that voice, we're struggling right now. And we, we need to be okay with the struggle. We need to take care of ourselves first. And it may mean that we have to look at a family member and say, I'm afraid I can't be that voice. Can you help me? 
I need help. Sometimes that's what we have to be saying. I need to be the one that doesn't lead right now because I'm not in a good place. Mm -hmm. That's humility. And that's confidence is willing to own our own stuff. If you're healthy right now, help other people be healthy. If you're freaking out right now, don't put pressure on yourself to be a good leader because you're not in the right headspace. You're going to have to kind of take care of yourself first and be confident enough to ask for help if you need it. That's what I would want everybody to do. Yeah. Resonate? I don't mean to interrupt you there, but I didn't want to lose this thought. For those who are having the freak out, you know, whether it's at your home or whatever, I would encourage them to, what are you freaking out about? And, you know, let's, let's capture that. So is it my finances? Is it my career? Is it my family? You know, it's, it's, it goes back to your word, Dan, reflect. So, so maybe, you know, if, if you are not in a good position financially, own that, (laughs) look at it. And figure out, you know, this too shall pass. You won't always be in debt. If you, you know, if that's what's really causing you to freak out, then, you know, make a commitment to make a plan to get out of debt. You know, so because recession, you know, whether we're, we're officially in recession now or not, recession is coming again. So getting your financial house in order should be a priority for everybody. Most definitely. Same with your health, right? If you're, if you are not healthy for, um, for reasons beyond your control, like sedentary lifestyle, poor diet choices, you just haven't taken care of yourself and you're scared of getting this virus because you're compromised. Well, if that's your black hole, then maybe, you know, maybe you agree to, okay, I am seriously going to tackle this once and for all, and I'm going to find a way to get healthy. So for me, in reflecting, I hope that people find their way to those, those truths that need to be addressed and that they, you know, they, they begin to, to make some action in going forward to, to help, you know, help fill those black holes in their lives because we've all got some. Would 100% agree with you, Rena. But one thing I would add to it is if they're going to take some action, they're probably going to realize that they're truly reflecting that if they were effective at the action that they were going to take, they would have already taken it by now. And they may need to ask for some help. There you go. So if your finances are going to mm-hmm. be in trouble, well, you were probably doing things before this COVID situation that were probably not so healthy. And this situation brought it to a surface. Right. So maybe to come out of it, you got to call some people and say, this is what I learned about myself through this challenging situation. I never want it to happen again. Can you help me financially, like guide me to do the right things so that I can get that fixed? Right. If I'm now wishing I had been going to the gym and I never have, well, why weren't you? So that's where the reflective part, there's usually a, a deeper root cause to every behavior, to I believe. Yeah. And that's where the reflecting comes from. So we can speak anecdotally to say, it's now's the time to take care of yourself, to take care of your finances. But I all do respect and all agreement with everything you just said, agree with you, um, would say, okay, but 
think about why we needed this situation to make us think this way in the first place. What is it? And it's probably certain behaviors that we weren't doing that we should have been. And this situation has pressed us into that awareness. So to come out of this situation and get healthy again, if we're very unhealthy, will mean that we'll be even better than we were before the situation because we persevered through it, just like the no longer bound guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Didn't ask for addiction to be thrown on them. Are stronger at life because they beat addiction than it perhaps had they never faced it in the first place. That's upside down, isn't it? That is some good stuff, Dan Fry. And I think it's, you know, it goes back to, you know, like, like your coaching client today that you, you know, you helped him peel back the layers, peel it back, peel it back, peel peel it back. You know, that's, um, and and you don't have to be doing that right now, but Mm -hmm. if you're reflecting and get to that point, you know, it's, it's ultimately going to be good. Let something good come out of this. Something good. That's what we should all be working toward, which if somebody's really not going to get a paycheck for a month and they may go bankrupt over all this, it's hard to hear a guy say, hey, look for something good to come out of this. Right. But really, every leader I've ever worked with, the best leaders I've worked with have persevered through the hardest times. The worst leaders I work with had the easiest lives. Mm-hmm. So for the entire world right now, maybe in some ways, there is a bit of a gift to say, what can I learn from this struggle? Because if I learn something from this struggle and I get better because of it, I'm better because of the struggle. Right. And that's just being a positive mindset. Yeah, definitely. So I have one last question for you. So the word relevate means to uplift or inspire. So in closing, what words of advice do you have for my listeners as it relates to uh, just being a good, solid leader? Wow. So you may see a common theme throughout this whole podcast, but I keep falling back toward self-awareness, self-awareness. So my words for, for your listeners to uplift them is to really embrace, like a lot of people don't celebrate themselves enough Mm, because they don't reflect enough right they're just charging on to the next thing absolutely so take some time and look in the mirror and actually be thankful for the gifts that you have as a leader already and and really truly do it you know don't get caught up in the performance-based metrics that we associate with leadership look in the mirror and say no What is the human side of me as a leader? And celebrate that. But then acknowledge, okay, if I really wanted to get better, where are my areas? Do your best to kind of learn what those are. And there's assessments out there that help you do that. You know, if you like Enneagram, do Enneagram. If you like DISC, do DISC. I'm a Myers-Briggs guy. But these are things that don't define you, but they're linear ways of actually saying, all right, You know, these are my tendencies and these are my blind spots. And I I can at least name what I need to work on so it's not so cryptic. And if I can name it and define it, then I can work on it and I can build the structures and the processes to get better at it. 
but it also probably means the last thing I'd say is ask for help. Mm-hmm. Yes. Any leader out there that thinks I don't need any help, well, they need some help. That is true. Because that's, that's probably the arrogant leader that nobody wants to follow. Mm-hmm. Leaders look at people and say, hey, come alongside me. And they call people up to lead with them. So, you know, if I said it again, self-awareness, know your tendencies, know your blind spots, name your blind spots, and be confident enough in what you're gifted at to ask for help and what you're not. Mm. And your life will get easier, I promise. Yeah. But if you try to fake it through life, <laughs> you, if you try to always be in control, you know what you're setting yourself up for? A life where you always have to be in control. Right. And that is that it's gonna wear you out. Right. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Right. And, and it's exhausting and not and not effective and ultimately not sustainable. Such good words of advice <laughs> from my wise and talented Sherpa Dan Fry. Oh Lord. <laughs> if if anybody made it to the end of this one, uh, I appreciate it. Um it, you know, Rena, you're just somebody that I just think very highly of, and it's you. You press those buttons in me that make me very passionate, um, um, and that's... sometimes with passion comes cryptic. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. So. It's all, all good, and we're all in this together. And I know you're super busy working with a lot of people at this time when we are at a crossroads in our country, but uh, we are all in this together and we are stronger and better and more knowledgeable about leadership. Thanks to you, Dan Fry. You be safe out there and thank you so much for shining your light on the Relevate podcast. Very much appreciate you and thank you for having me. Thank you so much, Dan. So what's the word that's resonating in your heart right about now? I know we are all restless and anxious to resume our regularly scheduled lives. But we are all on a schedule that is not of our own making. And that is tougher for some of us to manage than others. Stay strong, friends, and keep moving forward in faith, hope, and love one day at a time. Thank you to my friend Dan Fry for sharing from his deep well of wisdom and knowledge as it relates to leadership and life. Like any good coach, Dan is all about making each one of us better, stronger, more resilient, a more effective leader and person. I'm truly thankful for his influence in my life. To learn more about Dan Fry, visit the Giant Worldwide website at giantworldwide.com. Thank you for listening, sharing, and subscribing to the Relevate Podcast. It truly is my privilege and honor to bring you these stories that challenge, inform, and inspire. I'm Rena Olson, and this is Relevate.